Amen. Is it this one? We were in a training on Friday, uh, the T3 ministry training. That's part of the reason for which uh, the West African delegates are here and others are coming in uh, in a few days. But anyway, as part of that training, the trainer asked us a question and he said, how do we disciple a nation? He threw the question out to us. He said, how do we disciple a nation? And then the room was quiet. And then he answered the question and said, one person at a time. Now, that answer is correct, but not complete. The answer is correct, but not complete. In Genesis chapter 12, in verse 3, God, in speaking to Abraham and cutting a covenant with him, Adachiku, it's good to see you. <laughs> God, in cutting a covenant with Abraham, said to him, he said, in you and your seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So yes, while we reach people one at a time, God's focal point is families. It's families. In Acts chapter 16, verse 31, when the Philippian jailer was asking Paul, what shall I do to be saved? He responded and said to him, believe you and your household shall be saved. In Acts chapter 10, when God spoke to Peter to go witness and share the gospel with Cornelius, even though God sent him to Cornelius' house, by the time Peter shared, the Bible said Cornelius and the entire household, all those who were there, were saved. Now, we are not saying the house goes to heaven because one person gets born again. Each person will be individually responsible for their call and answer to the message of God's grace and love and salvation. Now, having said all of that, all of us know that if we are to fix the moral decadence in America and the rest of the world, we have to begin to target our families. We have a vision in this house that says we are building what? Strong families that will disciple the nations by exercising kingdom dominion everywhere. So the family is the unit through which God builds nations. Now, I don't know if you are paying attention to what's happening around us lately. We are discovering that the younger generation, the millennials, if you will, are not nearly as hot, H-O-T. They are not on fire as we would like to see. Uh, and this is not just a work fund issue. This is a general issue. So we're asking the question, what do we need to do so that the... Uh, the, the, we can perpetuate the gospel so that after us, the younger generation will catch the fire, maintain the fire, and have a greater world in their day and time. So that's why we want to talk this morning. What do we need to do as a family to perpetuate the grace of God, to perpetuate the message that God has given us so that we can have an effective uh, younger generation that will continue to blaze the trail that they'll be handing and giving. Amen? And so... 
Welcome this morning. It's good to have you, Sashade. Welcome and good morning. Amen. This may be on, go on CNN, so that's why we talk like this. <laughs> so uh, I know that you guys have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving celebration coming up. God has been doing some wonderful things in your life, in your families. And I just want you guys to share with us, uh, as, as a family that's raised younger people and raising young people, uh, what do you see in what's going on around us? Uh, and how can we as families become more cohesive and be on fire for the kingdom of God? Uh, praise the Lord. <laughs> the Umorans here. <laughs> First of all, uh, let's just pray. Our Father and our God, we just worship you for today. We thank you for everything you've done and everything you've presented for us. We're so grateful. We are here as a family to show how grateful we are unto you and to share a little bit of our testimonies of all what you've done in our lives. Yes. On ourselves, there is nothing we can do well. And so as a family, we deliberately and consciously strip ourselves of every confidence we might have in our preparations yes. for this occasion. And we come to lean entirely on the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of the Holy Spirit that you lead us aright. That everything we're going to say and think and do today will bring glory to your holy name yes. and blessings upon us, the children of men. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you guys hear this mic? Can we, Alex, can we Okay, the I think it's me. Oh, <laughs> I'm wow. sorry about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> my name is Uwam Umaren and my wife, Fulashade Umaren. Um, the story, I want to start from saying the fact that we are here as, um, this is spirit of grace, and then uh, we are grace um, brought up a family. This grace has brought us here. Uh, is what started some years ago, even before I became a Christian, uh, is what I made me know that it's God that has been uh, pioneering her cause. You see, I grew up from a very, very humble home. If you want to use the word, uh, um, humble is just a way of making it sound nice, but it's just like Poor. Came from a very poor family. And when you come from such a family, um, you are left on your own. It was so poor that, um, let me tell you, uh, 90, there are some dates that I will never forget in my life. Um, on the 27th of July, 1970. Eight was the first day I ate egg, one egg, alone. And that, that will give you a perspective of what we're talking about here. In fact, I, you know, those were, my family was like, just like delicacies for the, uh, the rich. So I, I went to mentor someone in mathematics, and the family were having breakfast. And then they, I was so shocked to be given one full egg. 27th of July, I won't forget that date, 1978. I was in Form 4. I held that egg 
I couldn't believe it. In fact, I felt like taking it home to share with my family. Because, you know, to me it was like, you know, what we heard about egg was, you know, exclusive of the rich. And here am I, in a family, I'm being given one full egg. So I held that egg, but for the shame, I wanted to take it home, but, you know, eventually I ate it. <laughs> so that gives you a perspective. When you come from that, then you have to know that the environment alone will not be able to sustain the kind of life you want to live. Hmm. And then to crown that up, um, that perspective was even started a long time before then, 1972. Um, the Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation was uh, established in 1971. So 1972, uh, my dad's friend came back from the U.S. He was trained by a, national, a Nigerian National Petroleum, NNPC. So he was trained in the U.S., he came back, you know, so um, that was, uh, he came to our house on uh, 9th of April, 1972. Uh, that was when my last, the youngest brother was born. He was born on the 2nd, so he came to greet us uh, on the 9th. He came, you know, was trained in the U.S., so he came back with a car. Then, I don't know, it's, it's almost being used now, uh, Fort Cortina. The Fort Cortina was so beautiful, it had a good light. You know, if you, he came in the night, so when he held the brakes, the lights were shining and all the <laughs> So we went to gather around. I was so proud to introduce my friends, that is my uncle, he has a car. You know, this man came and looked at us. He said, look, he said, even if they sell your father's thatch house. I don't know if you guys know what a thatch house is. A thatch house is a house made of bamboo trees or something. He said, even if they sell your father's thatch house and sell you and your family, you won't be able to afford that car. That was April 9, 1972. You know, I was just about eight years old then. So, those words, you know, everybody ran away. My brothers, my sister, everybody, my friends, everybody ran away from that man. You know, but, you know, the thing was ringing a bell in my head. So, I went to him. Rather than run away from him, I went to him. I said, sir, how can I become like you? He, first of all, ignored me. But he saw that I didn't go. I sat down with him. I told him, sir, he said, look, we have to study hard. He just he dismissed me. I didn't go. So I had to study hard. Like what? What did he study, sir? He said he studied mechanical engineering abroad. And so he came out. So where? He said U.S. That time, I didn't even know what U.S. was. So, <laughs> so to cut your uh, story short, that was how. So I asked him what I need to become a mechanical engineer. He started telling me a lot of things. That was how I ended up being a mechanical engineer to start with. You know, and the U.S. that he thought it was such a big deal, the day God gave mine, it was in a platter of gold. Hmm. I was uh, transferred here. In the same, you know, he worked in Shell, I mean, I'm in um, um, NMPC. Well, as I grew up, God put me in Shell Oil, and it's Shell that transferred me here with uh, Mr. Charles Hiroa, so as I raised it there as a confirmation. So, you see, 
those things were you know, the drivers of what I believe. I said, look, for that man to tell that me, my parents, is that even if they say the whole thing, I cannot buy that car. I will never forget. So those are very important dates in my life. The date I made that resolution, and then the date I ate my egg. <laughs> so when I see my children, you know, they will fry two eggs, three eggs. I said, this we don't know. <laughs> They don't know what they, they don't know what they are having. So, yes. Mine was a celebration in 1978, class four. That's what you guys call um, um, um what level is that? Get eleven. Get eleven. That was when. So um, so I had so I had so many things going. I said, look, what my parents have gone through, I will never allow my children to go through. So I started reading books. I, that man was so helpful. Let me tell you something. When God wants to help you, he will bring people you away. The thing that the man thought he was debasing me was actually what propelled me to where I am now. Amen. Hallelujah. I went to him. He told me, he said, look, to be an engineer, you need to do this. I studied my... I was a truant. I didn't like school. But because of that, in fact, I studied so much that I became like a little professor around our environment. That was even how I ate the egg because it was when I went to mentor that I got that. So I started thinking, I'll be reading books, I'll be reading books, I'll be reading how families are made. Then when I get, I could, we couldn't afford newspapers, so I would trek to, to very far distance to go and read uh, magazines in people's offices and um, you know, they then Nepal. I would walk to Nepal. I would read magazines. I would read um, newspapers. And, uh, they used to call Daily Times. It's still there now. You know, the page, the last page on Tuesdays and Thursdays, mostly you see obituaries. I would go to read obituaries to see how families, they learn things about families. And then there was one guy who was a minister in Nigeria in the First Republic. That man was very rich. He had houses everywhere. Everywhere, you name it. So he died. When he died, all the property he amassed, his children were fighting for it. The children fought and killed themselves. This aggress might know because he's from the area. He was the first minister in the, in the I mean, in the, Everything was a finance minister. He built houses, he bought everywhere. Okay, the yeah. said, I didn't want to mention the name. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so the children started fighting and killing themselves. So I knew something was wrong because even though he had a will, they contested the will. So I found out from that age that amassing wealth for the children is not the right way. I mean, does not necessarily, you know, make your life better. So, uh, there's a proverb in the Yoruba land that says, um, a child you do not train is the same child that will sell the things, destroy. you know, destroy the things that you, you are building. So, I made up my mind that I'm going to, when I grow up, I'm going to have a family that will have one vision. That's why this word vision has come out. One vision that will, everybody will be a part and bring their own contribution to the vision. So that even if one, I mean, I mean when time call, come, uh, comes and God calls any of us, that vision 
will be driven. Because there is nothing you build and keep for the children that will stand the test of time. You build a house today, tomorrow a new design will come up and then twats your own. You buy a car, the next year you bring a different model that will bring your own to naught. So why do you want to spend your life that? So I came to the conclusion that I don't want to bring, bring up um, great children. I want to bring up children that are great. Children that are great um, adults. When they grow up, they have their own, um, I mean, impact the world. So I've, I made up a, um, a, a vision in my mind. I said it's going to be a, a formidably strong family where every member of the family will come with his own, um, with his own, uh, I mean, uh, intelligence, with his own intellectuals to contribute to the family so that we can impact the world. I added impact the world for Christ when I became born again. Well, that time was impact the world. Just generally, I was reading things like uh, Max Spencer in uh, England and Walmart then. So I was planning to be great like that, but it was when we became a Christian, actually when I married her, that I added impact the world for God. So, I, you know, I'm, when I met her, she was different from me because uh, she came from a Christian home and... Um, you know, they, they had a lot of things going. The father was a, a reverend, and then she knew a lot about Christianity than me. So um, she's a nurse. She has been a nurse from age 18. So um, they posted her to a place somewhere in Abekuta where I met her. And then every day she would come back and tell me how, you know, she treated people, ministered to them. And they will be so blessed. They will call her a doctor. They will call her my every. So I didn't chat my course then. So this thing kept going. She will be talk, people will be calling her and taking her to be their mentor. So that was when God brought this vision to us. So look, we want to have a family, and you know, don't forget, I have some caveats. There is no provision that is not good Amen. every provision once you take it to the highest level every pro provision has its own merit it's only if you don't take it to the level that is the highest you know because we have um 30 fold we have 60 fold we have 100 fold you have to decide which fold you are moving your family into and that is going to drive your own vision. So when you make up your vision, you see how the, each member of the family will fit in there. So um, when Pastor was ministering um, last week, it was about the uh, um, spirit of grace. And he used Exodus 2, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And he talked about how um, Moses' mother um, uh, trusted God. Two things came out from that. The first one is the vision. Saw the child as a goodly child. A goodly child is when you see your child as a talent. Because I treat all my, I have four children. I treat all of them as uh, talents. You see a goodly child and then she, that became, he had a vision 
to see how that guy, uh, that child will survive. So what she did was, you know, she built um, an ark. From that ark is, I mean, similar to what happened in the Noah's, uh, Noah's era. She built the ark, and then she knew she had to put in her own effort. Because what is grace? Grace is what is available. They say, my grace is sufficient for you. Sufficiency of grace has to also have to, you have a part to play. And so grace comes in as a multiplying factor. If you don't, you don't put in effort, if you use, even if all the grace in this house comes in, it will be zero. <laughs> so grace will work with effort. So that was why what that woman did was she uh, built the ark and then put the child there. She did not even, cho the choice of the, uh, the material she used for the ark was um, they call it the bulrush. Bulrush yeah. is a water plant. So she did not, she knew that this child is being sent to an environment and then she will need uh, the, the material of the ark will have to be that that would be sustained in the water. Correct. And then she also used um, slime uh, to patch. Inside and outside. And that slime is slippery and is soft. Soft will protect the child. Slippery will make it, the enemy cannot touch him. Hmm. That's a representation of that slimy thing she used. So that was her effort. And then she now trusted that to God. Because she has done her part. She now believes because of the trust she had. Trust the child unto God and sin. And that's why the Moses story has been a success story. So when we mm, had our children, I started having that in mind. And I just, our children, because she was a nurse, our chosen field was health, health sector. Because when I go to her, meet her in the hospital, you know, the easiest place to get someone's attention is when he's vulnerable. Yep, in the sick. In the, on the sick bed, they believe anything you tell them. <laughs> because the idea is, just bring help. Just bring help. I know you have, you have never been, if you have never been to a hospital before, you don't know what people are going through. In fact, the, the fact that you can fit yourself with your hands is a testimony to some people. There are so many things we take for granted. So when she, you know, she's a, um, a dialysis nurse, uh, nephrology nurse, she does dialysis. I know she deals with blood. She's taking blood from you and cleaning it. So you can see, if grace of God is not with her, <laughs> your blood is gone. And so, at that stage, anything she tells them, you know, they will listen. You know, so she, I mean, she, when she brings these testimonies to me, I said, look, God is confirming the idea she, he gave me some times ago. In fact, we even built a property that we want to use for a hospital. And then, um, by this time, I'm talking about my children were even very small. So none of them even was in the age of thinking they would become anything that way. But I say, trust in God. So today, to the grace of God, because I want to leave 
I mean, question, the rest will come in the question and answer section. Today, um, I have a son that is the medical doctor. Um, my first son, right is a medical doctor. And then my daughter, um, he's doing a doctorate uh, program in pharmacy. Um, the boy is the boy is twenty five. Um, uh, Ruth is uh, twenty three, uh, doing a doctorate program in pharmacy, and then this, the story continues. So we have this, and don't forget, as a family, um, every, the success of a family, whether the, the family comes out, um, I mean, successful or not rest on the father the father of the house god has given us grace to be the head of our homes so um if the um if the father does not you know under god work to bring the success or have a vision for the house and run the, with the vision and bring the family along um, the success will be limited. Every other thing will be discussed because um, I know question and answer will take care of the rest. Amen. Am I on? Amen. L let me just uh, add a little something and then anybody has any comments or questions can start walking to the mic. Let me just add a little something about the issue of the effort and the grace and the example with Moses' mother. Moses' mother saw a vision. He saw in that vision that this boy potentially is a good child. That God has a plan for him. And on the basis of the vision, she also knew the word. Based on what she had seen that God did in Noah's time with the ark. So the, where the grace and effort comes in is, grace comes first. You, you believe what God has done. And James tells us that faith without works is dead. You just don't believe what God has done and resign and just fold your hands and say, God has done it, it will jump on my lap. No. You hear what God has done, you hear what God is saying to you, and then you cooperate with God by applying what God has told you to do. You don't do your part, grace is available, but that grace will not manifest because grace needs legs and hands to make it happen. Amen? Amen. Uh, so, is, is there anybody that has anything? Because if you don't, I'm going to roll on and begin to ask them some questions myself. Now, uh, uh, Women, Stashade, I know just in talking to you guys, and having raised two or three, uh, three children in the United States, I know it's difficult as parents, um, especially financially, to send a child through school. I mean, you guys are very young, very, very young. I'm looking at you. So, how have you guys been able to pay for your children's school fees, if I'm not mistaken, cash. Hello, am I hearing that correctly? Okay, let me make sure I understand you. You are saying to me that you guys send a child through medical school and you paid cash. Yes. How is that possible? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hello, is, is, is that, do you guys want to know? Yes. Is that something that's usual? Is that usual? No. No. It's possible? With God, all things are possible. <laughs> See, um, what happened was um, 
when my son started the, his first degree, I was um, in the oil industry, and she was a nurse. And so we, we filed in jointly, and our salary was, was too much. So they refused him any form of loan or aid. That was the genesis of it. So hold on. Okay. Uh, this is important. So the refusal ultimately became a blessing. That is correct. Are you guys hearing that? That is correct. If when they filed, they got the grants and the aids, then they will not get with God to get a plan on how to do it without aids. So, so you need to know that when things don't turn out the way you want it, it's not always the devil. And that it's is not correct. always bad. It may just mean that God has a better way. That is that correct. if you ask him, he will show you, and you will not be in that bondage of running to the bank or owing the government because God has a better way for you. So it was actually challenging, to, to say the least. But, you know, God did it. I, I was so... In fact, when I, when I look at how it was and where it is now, I do not understand how it happened. Because um, I was paying like 20000 every three months. $20,000 every three months for his rotation and stuff like that. Book one book would be $800 and some. So he got to a point where I said, God, what is this? Well, I saw things. I did so many things I could. And God helped. He went through. So the advantage there is that... Um, he is now a medical doctor with no dime as his loan. So he has <laughs> he has a work to do because uh, he has to he has to pay back someone. <laughs> <laughs> Payback is coming. I love that. <laughs> so because he still has siblings, so he has Amen. to do something. Amen. So um and that was it. It was God's grace. You know. I found out something about God. Um, when he gives you a vision, he makes provision. Sincerely. I, I look back, I get amazed. Because, you see, I've told you my family background. <laughs> right. You know, if you have that family background, and you every day, you see what amazes you. In fact, in my, my room, my bedroom, my, my parlor, I have a of my children every day i sit down and look at them i just you know pour words onto their lives because you know everything i dreamt of without being a christian has come to pass mm. that is called grace yes, yes. i'm telling you, i wasn't a christian i didn't do anything particularly well or different god moved me from one level of glory to one without any you know, inclination I don't have. In fact, when I landed here, I, I looked at it. I wanted to be very sure that I was in the U.S. <laughs> so I looked at myself. I looked at, I called some friends. I took pictures. And then <laughs> I found out that, yes, truly I was here. Because this is someone that, you know, never even left Calabar where I, I was born. I you know, God did it. Amen. So if he gives you a vision... And you know, one thing I knew about the, the vision I had was to build a formidable family, 
based on what I told you happened to other people. You see them fighting. I don't, I don't intend to leave any big thing for my children because they don't even need it. By the time you train them, arm them, they don't need any of your stuff. Amen. They don't. Right now, my focus is here. Amen. We have a house just where two of us, they will come and go. By the time they are 26, I'm already talking to them to leave home. Amen. Because I go and sort themselves out. Amen. Very good point you made. Two things I want to, I want to chime in. Number one, that the grace of God works even for unbelievers. Can your religious mind get that? Because when Jesus came, God announced peace on earth and goodwill to all men. So as a believer, you have an advantage, but the unbelievers are not excluded. You need to know that. And that's a powerful message to a dying world. They need to know that God loves them so much that in spite of where they are, grace is available to help them. Amen. Amen. And then secondly, what I don't want us to miss, for us that are parents, husbands and wives, did you hear what he just said? At age 26, those kids are going to leave, or 28, or whatever the age is, you better nurture your relationships. Yes. Husbands and wives, love your wife. Wives, love your husband, because at the end of the day, the kids that are in between you now, they're going to be gone. Yeah. And when those kids are gone, you either intimate strangers or your lovers. You have to start sowing the seed now. You can't wait till after they are gone. It's too late. Go and ask our God. He picked up uh, climate change or photography. His wife picked up something else. They became intimate strangers. They divorced. They divorced. We don't want to see you divorced. So we are saying to you, sow the seed. Begin to nurture your relationship. Don't take it for granted. Love your wives. Love your husbands. Because that's your covenant. Your children don't belong to you. They belong to God. They are his reward. But you belong to one another. Amen? Now, what can you guys say to us about what we see now as the phenomenon where we've seen a lot of young people disinterested and disengaged in the things of the kingdom? Is there anything you've seen online that can speak into that situation? Uh, yes, sir. Um, as I started, um, the family um, has to have a vision. When you have a vision for your family, then your mission will be mapped out to fulfill that uh, vision. And one thing I want to let every parent know is that there is no child that cannot learn. Every child has incredible capacity and ability to learn. In fact, if you want to test how a child is smart, give an adult a cell phone and give a child the same cell phone. In the next one hour, that child will know so much about that you'll be dwarfed. That's how their minds are enlarged. They can learn, and they know the thing. Another thing is that they know the best. It's just that maybe some kind of slothfulness or laziness will not want them to tow the path that will lead them to the best. They know. 
In fact, before any music is released, the children will know they sing the lyrics as if they are the ones that even brought the song. They are lashed. If they apply that kind of intelligence to your educational fields, they will be experts. So the mantle is on the parents, um, particularly the fathers, for those that are lucky to be fathers, because I call it luck, or I mean favor. You see, um, if, uh, Christ is the head of the church. If you, see, if you want to see progress in any church, I'm not talking about progress in the size of the auditorium or the congregation. I'm talking about progress spiritually, because that's what church should represent. It is the church that has Christ as the head. So, if you want to deduct that to the family, the man is the head of the family. And so the vision has to be imprinted in the man's head, bring the wife in, and then run the children. Don't forget, as parents, we are custodians of our children. You know what a custodian is? A custodian is like what they used to call in those days, shepherd. If you leave the sheep, you are shepherding. They might even want to go to the main road and be hit by a running car. So as a shepherd, you have the audacity given to you from heaven to, I mean, steer the course where you want your sheep to go. I see every child as a talent. In Matthew uh, 25, um, the Bible talks of uh, I mean, talents that were given to people when, um, I mean, the, the the three talents. The three, uh, no, it was three people were given talents. One, two, and five. The one that was given uh, five multiplied. And that's what God wants to see. You know, for example, it can be any field. I've been given a child, I've, I've multiplied him to a doctor. You can uh, multiply your own to MBA level. You can, whatever they chose to help them. Uh, one thing we don't do is we don't choose profession for our children. We talk them to it, they decide. But what is very, very significant in our family is that once a child has decided what he wants to study, he cannot change. That is the only way the robbers meet the road. <laughs> we'll talk about professions till you get to, I uh, mean, you get to maybe grade 10, 11, we start talking. Once you hang grade 11, it's sealed. You sign. You cannot change. Even if you want to read sweeping technology, so be it. <laughs> we'll use it. Because we have a vision to run um, an outreach with the health. We want, that's what God has placed in my heart, to run an outreach for health, where we can go and minister to people you know, in the health field. As a matter of fact, because as a head, I also want to have an idea. I want to go and do BSc, BSN in nursing at age 49. So I qualified, I have a BSN in nursing because, you know, the vision has to be driven. And if you call yourself a head, a head is not what, what you carry. It's to be able to know about what the family is all about. So, it's not a figurehead. It's not a figurehead. It's to know 
you know, run with the vision and then be able to steer. Because, I mean, right now, there's nothing. I mean, my son is a doctor. He can tell me anything. But at least I have an idea of what he's talking about. So I'll be able to run the way. So we'll start talking about professions. But once you are in grade 11 going to 12, it's sealed. You can't change. For example, the youngest one there, he started, he said he wants to be a dentist. No problem. We don't talk about that because he's still in grade 8. Then when I had the accident, you know, he saw the bills coming from my orthopedic doctor. He changed. <laughs> he said he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. He's right there. When he saw the bill, you know, these students know what is good. We cannot deceive ourselves. It's some slothfulness, but they need our help too. So I am so very interested in what the children do. And that's the message I really want to you know, share with you guys, to be interested in what your child is doing. Don't be caught unawares because these children, if you leave them, they have their own way of living. You need to be fully involved in what they do because um, it's, it's a world that is, you have the good, the bad, and the ugly. In fact, to even make it worse, you can even conjugate all those, the good, you see have good, better, best, the bad, you see, have bad, worse, worse. And the, you know, the ugly, you see, have ugly, uglier, ugliest. So if you don't train your child well, you might fall into any of those conjugations. So be interested in what your child does. Move them on with you. And above all, love them. Because if you love your child, they will be able to take chastening. Who God loves, he chastises. And so if you, you know, by the time you correct them, and then they, you know, they, they know that it's, there's a bedrock of love in between. They'll be able to follow it. Because they know what is right, not that they don't. So anything you condone is what you see will happen. And then the God of grace that has done it is always available to do it for anybody. We are not special. It's just that God has chosen to bless us the way he has done. Seeing the vision that is, we want to touch the world in the medical field, touch the world for Christ, preach. In fact, my wife even has an outreach ministry called Bible and Beyond. She found out that when she ministers to people in the hospital, a lot of them don't even know what a Bible is. They've never held one. So when she ministers to them, um, talks about the Bible with them, they won't even know. So she had that ministry established 2014 where she buys Bible. We buy Bible and give it to the hospital. As she ministers to people, she will give them a Bible. The ones that are left over will move in with the children on the streets and give to homes. So a vision that is not centered on God is very, very difficult for God to bless. Hey. I'm very, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't start here. As I told you guys, my own was to be like the Walmarts of this world, my expenses of this world. But it was later when I got married to her. You see how God compliments people? So <laughs> that she started bringing Christianity to it. Then we, you know, are touching the world for Christ. And that's what we're trying to. Now, I know, I know Pastor Goodness has a question. And uh, some. Um, Kennedy, but, but before you do, before they do that, let me just 
I want to clarify something. You said to engage the children and to be involved in them. Yes. Just in talking to you, Ashade, I know that involvement for you, because they need to hear this, it's not just talking with them, but actually engaging the activities they are doing. Yes. Like even their homeworks. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, fortunately, uh, the era we live near, they have a lot of stuff on the internet. I'm so involved with my children, uh, education and well-being that even their teachers know me. They know me by name. Did, did you all hear that? They know me I by name. I don't think you heard it. The teachers in the children's schools know him by name. When he shows up, they know Mr. Warren is showing up. Okay, go ahead. Because, um, you see, at the end of the day, um, what you put in is what you get. As I told you, God multiplies. The grace of God comes to my multiply effort. By one particular, when my son was taking MCAT, he was busy studying. He cut off his phone. He was so serious. When I saw how serious he was, I just started studying. I will be sitting in the small parlor studying. I'll be here just to keep him company and be asking him questions. When my daughter was taking the PCAT, I was like taking PCAT for her. I was studying about PCAT, example. I drove her to all the interviews and I was testing her. I copied all the questions, likely questions from the internet. My children, if I, you know, will come into agreement. In any school, my children are, I have to be mapped into, I mean, Gentlemen, let me just make one comment. My own way, there is no special way, there is no particular way that you can run a home. I'm just giving you what we applied and seemed to be working. So I, I get involved in such a way that I have to be mapped into their school program. I have to see you are great. I pay the bill. So... You'll be surprised. Even my daughter that is doing a doctorate program, if she doesn't show me her last semester result, I'm not paying for the next. You know, because, you see, this is like, you know, when, when the talents were given, you remember the person that went, the one that was given one talent? He went and buried it. That shows ignoring abandonment. He went and abandoned his, um, talent. his talent. To him, he was bringing God that but you know God said go to the wall and multiply he did not multiply I don't want to be called uh, you wicked and slothful servant no that's not what even while we are here we want to be called you good and faithful servant that's all we are striving to be so we have to put in our best to see that we are involved in the children activities because they need us even the, the uh, you see if you leave your children mentoring to the school the school has a general standard. But you are not general. You know your own peculiar Amen. circumstances. Amen. So you have to be involved to add to what, don't forget, eight hours in a, a day is what the teachers have them for. Out of 24. So the 16 hours, you have to make them feel the pinch by getting involved. There is nothing you cannot learn from the internet. I'm not telling everybody to learn, you know, but they, you, there are some things you do your children know how, you know, serious you are with what they are doing. They'll, they'll, they'll move forward. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you, Mr. Moran. You and I have sat down, we've talked about this, so it's not news to me. But um, for the benefit of those that don't know some other part of the story, so I'd like to put some questions forward to you. Uh, there have been times when your children, the one that is a medical doctor, the one that's going to be a doctor of pharmacy, as there have been times when the my questions will be in three or four parts. <laughs> Has there been times when they became rebellious? Oh, yes. Sorry, excuse me. Okay. Have there been times no, when... Just one. Yeah. Have there been times when they tended to be against the vision you said you've had that you ran your home with? What was your attitude? How did you bring them back to the path that brought them to where you are celebrating now? That's number one question. Answer that, and I will follow up. But <laughs> <laughs> by goodness, see, um, as I said, um, anything with two heads is a monster. So in the family, um, I happen to be the head, and because of that, God has given me grace also to <laughs> be able to manage them. Um, I tell you, sometimes I can be so hard that. I myself won't believe it. I don't know if you guys know what is called koboko. Well, in English, that's kobokoization. <coughs> I, I do so many things. To, For example, it was when my son became a doctor that I sent him his U.S. passport. It was that bad. I hold their passport because it's, I sacrifice a lot for them including leaving, resigning from my job to be with them. I left the oil industry, Mr. Charles Roja is there, I resigned at the peak of my career to come and make sure I chat the course for them because I want to enjoy my retirement with my wife. I don't want a situation where I'll be paying school fees at 60, 70, no. That's not the deal. And you know, a child that you don't, you know, give, you know, be strict with, sort of, but don't forget, love is the basis. As I said, whom God loves, he chastises. If you love your child very well, he will be able to condone, I mean, bear some of those chastisements. So I, I was when he graduated that I, I posted his passport to him in Maryland. So it could be he, what, I wrote, I know, I wrote Mr. Mfani Zodani tomorrow. He corrected me. He said that you are living in the past. Please write, doctor. <laughs> you see, he now knows. But this is what we've been struggling with. If I, I came, you know, he's six feet four. You know, one time, you know, why I resigned. I'm sorry to let me. Uh, why I resigned was I came back one day. I came in, you know, I've moved my family here, so I was still from Nigeria. So I came back one day. My family, they came to pick me at the airport. They came. My son was not there. He's six feet four. So about 11 o'clock, he came in, broom, broom, broom. He said, hi, daddy. I said, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So I did the discipline. And since then, you know, it's, uh, these children, you know, they are very intelligent. It's true. If one, once, you, once you make them realize that what you are doing for them, is for their own good. 
and that you love them so much. They will be. This morning, my daughter came and said, Daddy, I want to do an MPH program to add so that when I come out as a pharmacist, I also have an MPH. I didn't ask for that. But you know, she has already built up. She knows what is good. These children know what is good for them. My son that I'm celebrating today, he also has um, a uh, MHA, Masters in uh, Hospital Administration. So he's coming out as a 25-year-old with a doctor, as a doctor, and a master. He said that I want to enter the health industry with a bang. I didn't tell him that. You know, but you know the culture is already there. He, they know what is good for them. Now they drive. He will be calling his younger brother, how are you doing in school? Blah, blah, blah. Because the mantle has been passed on. See, let's not leave, go give God back this, the same one talent he gave us. Let's multiply them so that they can also multiply others Amen. and enlarge the kingdom for God. Amen. You, you, you relatively answered the second part, but then I will still ask it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, you know, parenting, some parents do say this, that it's good for you to be friends to your children. I don't have anything against it. It depends on to what extent or dimension. Has there been a moment when your son looked at you, or not directly to your face, but behind maybe to the mother when you are not home? Or you had it said that your son said you hated him? Oh. Because you told me this. Let me, the reason why I'm asking this question is because me and him, all these stories you are hearing, are, we, we discuss, we, we talk. I know it. Uh, the reason why I ask that question is that sometimes... Parents, we get to a point where we are trying to buy the love of our children. And because we are trying to do that, we are harming their future. We are destroying them not knowing exactly what we are doing. Because you don't want them to frown or dislike you or whatever. And then so you just let them have their ways. So my question is, has there been a day when you had your son said to you, yes, um, you hated there, him? Yeah, there was a day, um, <laughs> you know, we have certain rules in the house. So when he flouted that, uh, I, you applied uh, um, co <laughs> So he, he looked at me, you know, he looked at me and said, Daddy, I hate you. I don't even think you are my dad. Well, unfortunately, yes, you are. Because before you became a U.S. citizen, we did a DNA. I had you 100%. So, so you cannot, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, to, be, uh, to, God, uh, to God be the glory, at the end of the day, those children have found out that the discipline might be tough, but it's, it's for their own benefit. Because, you see, every day, Every day, every day, I look, at, I look back at my history. I look at my story. I will never allow my children to go there, neither their own children. So the best thing is to give them a ground so that they can carry the mantle even when we are not there. It's the love that will bring out co-organization. I will not want to chastise a child because we don't want... You know, and you know, let the children be free enough with you to express what they want to do. 
they know exactly what is right and he's not you know i'm just using medicine as uh, you know because that's where we are even if they want to go do sports they can go to any bmba anything they want to go if they want any anything they want to study support them know what they want to do really support them my daughter um <clears throat> my daughter at six she was six years old when my wife uh, told her how she lost three of her brothers due to sickle cell. She lo actually lost three brothers due to sickle cell. My daughter was six years old. So she asked the mom, she said, Mommy, why did, they, why did they allow them to die? My wife told her then that there was no medicine and there is no medicine for sickle cell. That child, I don't know where she knew about the word pharmacy, came out and said, Mommy, I want to discover drugs that will stop sickle cell. Nobody took it serious. But today, my daughter is doing a doctor of pharmacy and has a special interest of research in sickle cell. And because of that, the University of Auburn that she is, they are arranging a chair for her, where, and she's 23, where they are giving her three professors to work with. So she's going to do a PhD in research, apart from the doctor of pharmacy on sickle cell, because, you know, sickle cell is not very common here, so they have to use that. So what am I saying? The interest the parents should have when my daughter was in um, University of West Georgia, she was given um, to do BA in chemistry. So she came back to me and said, Daddy, um, to be able to do research, I should do BSc in chemistry because BSc in chemistry has a lot of research and I'm interested in research. So the university did not give up because they said it was full. This is where the parents come in. I drove, it's about close to two hours to the University of West Georgia. I went there to see the head of the Department of Chemistry. So when I went, the, um, the secretary said, oh yeah, we know the story. Unfortunately, there is nothing, the chair is full. I said, well, I didn't come here to see you. I came to see the head of the department. So the head of the department came out and I told her, I said, look, this is my daughter's story. She wants to do a research in a pharmacy and she wants to start now to do the research. So she needs to do a BSc that will allow her to be doing research in your institution. So she looked at, it, looked at me and said, well, it's, it's full, unfortunately. Um, then he said, by the way, why are you so involved? I said, well, I'm involved because ask her. Her name is Ruth Umoran and I'm Umoran. So, so, right there, she said, look, I've not done it, but I'm going to do it for you. See where the parents come in? My daughter was so good in research that she was teaching and paid by the school. She was teaching her juniors. She was the, um, um, how do you call it, research leader. In fact, one of her classmates in the high school, going a mission to the University of West Georgia, and saw her, he ran back. 
He never went back to the school. Because he couldn't stand her teaching. You know, they were classmates. You know, it's not like a boast. But I'm just telling you, these children know what is good. They do know. But we need to also help them. You know, be involved. Get to know what they are doing. And to know it to the point that where your daughter, I mean, where your child is not doing well. Find out what. Don't chastise her. Find out why. And see where you can offer her. Because they really need us. Amen. Um, my question is directed to Sister Shadi. We talked about, um, I think we are talking about family, how you know, these kids don't leave Christ and all that. How have you been able to keep Christ in your home? Because I want to, well, I'm not assuming, but I believe that your kids are still, you know, in Christ. They are not wayward or whatever. You must have played a part and a very significant part in ensuring that Christ was kept in your home. So how did you do it? Because in this day and age, you don't hear Christ anywhere. I mean, when you're talking about social media, the ones our kids listen to and watch and all that, Christ is so... It's not even there. Maybe on Facebook that we elders are on, we share our testimonies and all that, but these kids don't. So how did you keep Christ and how are you keeping Christ in your home? Uh, there's another that says, that says uh, the family that prays together, they are good. The, 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 the family that stay together, uh, that pray together, stay together. Pick in the mic, yeah. Okay. The mic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The family that stay together, that, that okay. The family that prays together. <laughs> okay. That's all right. Okay. That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the family that uh, prays together, they stay together. We always uh, make sure that. That takes priority in our family to make sure that we do the morning devotions together. Every day, we, every, all the children, they have to be in the sitting room, and we have to read some verses in the Bible and, and uh, share with uh, them the word of God, and they will pray together. And that's what has kept them. Even when they... they went to the university when they were out of the house. I always call them and remind them of who they are in Christ. And, you know, as a, as a dialysis nurse, uh, I've been opportuned, you know, to talk to uh, so many of my patients, you know, to witness to so many of them about Christ. And I should not be doing something outside while I'm not even imparting my home. So home confess when they come to Christ. So I always remind my children, you know, of whom they are in Christ. The first thing I always ask them, uh, tell them when they go to college is that I'll, I'll tell them, which church are you going now? When DJ uh, uh, was in the uh, University of Columbus, the first thing I asked him, which church are you going now? He, he said, oh, I, I, um, I spotted a redeemed church and I've been going there. Then that time, he couldn't drive because he was like 15 years, 16 years old when he went to the University of Columbus. So I mandated one of my friends who happened to be a lecturer 
in University of Tuskegee, the husband said, happened to be a pastor in uh, Alabama to see how they can, what they can do to help me to, to get her to be going to church regularly. So that was the part I play as the, as the mother. Thank you. Yeah, just to address what she has just said. You see, um, you do your best and God will do the rest. And don't forget that even when we cannot be with our children 24 hours, but the impression you leave with them lives forever. And the children read you. They don't read what you say. The children read you. Now you're talking. As a person. They don't, you can say all the words. You can say all the things you like. They read you. And you'll be surprised. The day they will make statements, you will be shocked what they have learned and knew about you. Because, you know, even in our neighborhood, what you represent, you don't need to tell someone they are a Christian. They will know who you are. Exactly. Because my, you know, the, we are like a living epistle. Yep. Yep. You know, we try to, we're not there, we are growing, but we live a life that our children will see, you know, and then they will emulate. And once they don't fall, once they want to do anything outside, we bring them to order. There are so many things we want to try under God to, you know, show them basic ethics of life. The rest will be grace of God that will just follow. Like, you know, in my house, you don't sack. If you sack, I draw you down so that you expose all what you want to see. <laughs> we, so, things like that. You know. Because um, basically what we've heard is really your story. But we know there is no way we can tell your story without Sister Shadi. And so I know um, when you met him, you probably came into the relationship. You had your own dreams. You had your own aspirations. You had things you wanted to do. But some of those things you had to lay down because you were really uh, following the lead of your husband. Now, um, how did that work for you? How did that play out in terms of um, uh, having to make adjustments so that you could um, integrate, integrate with the vision of the house? Are you assuming that she made adjustments? Uh, yes, I'm assuming. Uh, because okay. uh, I, I, Actually, <laughs> I am the one that did. Okay. You know, as I told you earlier, she was a Christian. <laughs> she was a Christian before me. And my perspective then was to be a great man for myself. You know, as I told you, when I go to places, I read newspapers, I go to the obituary. You'll be surprised what I read first. I want to see, and the obituaries I used to read are those full page, you know, because I know those are the rich people that can afford the children. I'll see, you know, so, 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 London, so, 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 US, you know, those. So yeah. when I read their story, those were my motivators. So I was, planning to be big for myself. But when I married her, you know, she, she, you know, she brought the other side. So I'm actually the one that uh, blended with what she had. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so because of all the things, in fact, there are some people that so much believed in her in the hospital that they were more or less worshipping her. It got to a point where she would even give them, I don't know if you guys know, normal saline. 
she will give them normal saline. They will think they will feel well because they're so trusted. You know, she will mix it with the word of God. Yeah, like just ordinary water, they will feel well mixing them with the world. So you know, when she will be telling me those stories, we God was mapping our family vision towards that line, and you know, so we just want to you know under God, we just believe God is going to help us to make that come to pass. Amen. Last question. Thank you. Um, I. I didn't intend that the pastor wanted us to make the children the spotlight of what we are having. So, so much for the children. Thank God for them, and I congratulate you. Amen. Thank you. Uh, now, let's talk about you and Sister Shadi now. You are a Calabar man. She's Yoruba. These cultures, they differ. In your marriage, in your home, have these two cultures clashed before? Is this still clashing? That's okay. the question. At um, the time she felt you are thinking like a Calabar man and he's your vow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a good question. No, let me let me let me let me let me talk. You see, when we got married, before I got married, I I, I had a vision of what I want the family to be. And I've, I knew that having grown from environment of turbulence and stuff like that, I studied the things that could make a family work. And one of it, a minor part of it, was cross-pollination that we did. <laughs> the bulk was with the finances. And then um, other stuff like that. So, I we got married, I told her, I said, look, I'm the head of the family. The day our story, yes, the day I report you to anybody outside him, or you report to anybody, we've married now, we're getting to 26 years. I've never reported to her to any human being, apart from God, neither she. So, do we have differences? Oh, yes, we do. But we have found out that the only person that can solve it is God. Because the person you are going, whether it's a pastor, with due respect to pastors, or my, uh, my, whosoever that person is, his own baggage might even be bigger than you. <laughs> I, I want to tell you, I want to... Amen! I want to... I want to tell you one story that happened in my village. Yeah. Uh, my village head had uh, four wives. So, uh, 1976, um, my uncle had a problem with a wife he has just married. So, I was a young boy. I went with him to go and he went to go and report his wife to the to the chief, a paramount ruler in my village. So, um, immediately the man saw him, you know, he thought they were coming to greet him because he has just witnessed them marry. It wasn't about six months when they married, so he thought they were coming to, because he is the chief that graced the occasion. He thought they were coming to greet him. So he called Mama so-so-so-so 
you know, calling the, one of the wives to come and, you know, buy drinks or bring drinks for them. That one didn't say anything. He called, called, called. She didn't say, call four times. She didn't answer. Then all of a sudden, she just put her out and came in. He said, oh, now you have a visitor. You, you know I'm around. When you have, if it's money, you'll be giving A and B. Now you know it's me. And she bounced and left, went inside. She called the second person, the second wife. That one came in. He said, oh, you've called this other one. I didn't, she didn't answer you. Now you want to call me. So I'm the second fiddle to Fiakwa. He left. <laughs> called the third person. Yeah. He called the third wife. The same thing. That's okay. So you called the other two. The other two didn't answer. So it's my turn. So I'm the, okay, stay there. Your visitor will drink. <laughs> so why am I saying this? At the end of the day, he asked the boy, you know, have I answered your question? <laughs> because right there, the chief of my village was not respected. Right there, they saw a guest, none of them. So why I'm saying this, there is the only person that can solve your problem is God. By the time you report your wife or your spouse to anybody, what you are trying to do is you want, you want sympathy. You want to be seen as a good. You want to, um, to be affirmed. And who, who cares who is affirmed? If your home is not right, who cares who affirms you? So what, what we do is, we, I mean, we have a lot of those stuff, but we trust God to help us solve it. That's it. Amen. And so that, oh, uh, she wants you to say something. Okay. I just want to talk about, uh, I know I'm Yoruba and it's Calabar. Uh, we did a lot of things in the name of our children. Unfun is so mean good luck in Calabar. So we named the first one Unfun is so Ayodeji, which is a Yoruba name, named Daniel. So we have one English name. So all of them has these three initials. So Ruth, we named her Ruth Edidion in Neolua, which is heritage of God. Then we have uh, Joshua. Joshua is called in Sikak, which is in Calabar. Uh, there's nothing impossible for God. And the, the Yoruba name is Boluatife. Then the last one is Paul. And we name the Yoruba name Korede and the English name Paul. So we had, all of them has these three initials. We make sure that we try to, you know, to blend, they blend. And whenever we go to Calabar, I'll be calling, Ufoniso, Ufoniso. I won't call Ayodej. And whenever we are in Abekuta, or Ayodej, how are you? And now we are in US, Daniel. <laughs> wow. Thank you very much for your indulgence. And this concludes this family conversation. Thank you so much to the Morans for sharing their lives with us. I just want to leave us with one word, one key thing that we all can do to make sure that our family stays on course is the issue of right priorities. Right priorities. We only, all have only 24 hours a day, but we need to choose the right priorities to prioritize the right things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and all these other things shall be added unto you. And so, Father, we want to thank you for our time this morning, this 